At the Commonwealth Policy Foundation, we try to approach the issues of life, marriage, religious liberty, and fiscal integrity from a biblical perspective that promotes thoughtfulness and kindness. We work with political leaders and concerned citizens from all across the state. To stay informed, visit CommonwealthMatters.org and sign up for our e-newsletter. The Commonwealth Policy Foundation is a nonprofit organization that only exists because of friends like you. Thanks for tuning in to the Commonwealth Matters. Welcome to the Commonwealth Matters. I'm your host, Richard Nelson, Executive Director of the Commonwealth Policy Center. And here is a good friend and co-host, Ron Hicks, pastor of Henderson Memorial Baptist Church. Well, thank you, Richard. It's always a pleasure to be able to talk to you about political issues or social issues in, it, uh, from a biblical perspective. It's always good to have you. And we joke about you being the color commentary. But on a more serious note, you bring, I mean, you're a good friend, but, yeah. and we've had conversations yeah. over the years, but... You bring not just color commentary, but biblical perspective as a pastor. When we talk about social issues, moral issues, political issues, and today's topic is one of the more controversial mm-hmm. and difficult topics to talk about, and that is the issue of uh, executions. Yeah. Uh, this morning, Ron, the first federal execution mm-hmm. in 17 years was carried out. Uh, there was a man by the name of Daniel Lewis Lee of Yukon, Oklahoma, who died by lethal injection at the federal prison in Terre Haute, Indiana. And uh, Daniel Lewis Lee executed an Arkansas family in the 1990s, uh, killed a, a father, a mother, and their eight-year-old son in a plot to build a whites-only nation in the Pacific Northwest. So a grisly murder uh, awful uh, motives behind that. And this man, after several years of appeals, was finally uh, put to death by the state. And this is something, when you think about the crime that was committed, or the crimes, multiple crimes, mm-hmm. that was awful. Absolutely. And then you think about the state taking the life of a man, that's awful too. Mm-hmm. And there's a big movement across the country to do away with the death penalty. I've heard one of the rationales behind that is because it, um, first of all, it's not humane for the government to take the lives of people. Another argument is that it's very costly. You have uh, because the, the instant appeals and and all that that goes into it. Um, that's the, the cost. The, of, the appeals yeah. and it, I've heard of just very very uh, high dollar amounts mm-hmm. that is involved with tying up lawyers and the judges and the process, which is dragged on for years and years. And in this case, it's been, I, I believe, this man was on death row for uh, 25 years or so. So, long time. And listeners, you might be thinking to yourself, well, I, th- I thought I heard of executions that have taken place. Th- those are state-sponsored yeah, um, right. uh, executions. The federal government now and in, in federal institutions, uh, are, uh, correctional institutions, are are on a federal level, uh, again, instituting the death penalty. So it's a, a little different system. Right. John, there, there are a couple of objections to the fe- to the death penalty, not just federal, but right. to the state as well. And one is that some argue that it's cruel and unusual punishment, right. which the Constitution prohibits. Right. Now, if you look back to the Middle Ages, you had uh, state governments or, 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 or nations that would 
put together these really unusual and awful forms of torture yes. for criminals. Uh-huh. You know, you hear of the the racks. Well, the tortures the, were usually intended to, to get a confession, and once you got a confession, now it's justified to kill the person. So sure. if you're getting pulled in half, you'll say just about anything for them to stop, that's and right. then they stop doing that, and then they chop your head off. Right. So right. You know, not a very good, no. not a way to bring about justice, justice when you're right. under duress mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and uh, being in, had pain inflicted on you. Uh, so, so the U.S. Constitution does prohibit cruel and unusual punishment, but when it comes to execution, the state taking the life of somebody who is duly found guilty, right. um, is that cruel or unusual? Well, um, you know, they, they have ruled before that, you know, there's many methods of doing so. Uh, it used to be firing squad, then hanging, then electrocution, and and now through the uh, to, to the giving of, of medications where the person is put to sleep first and all, um, I, I think the method in which it's used is not so much the cruel and unusual punishment as it is the idea that somebody knows 24 hours beforehand that yeah. they're going to be executed. They're removed to a particular cell. They're able to contact family members, yeah. a last meal, and all the rest of that. So they deal with this idea that, you know, from from in in an hour, I will no longer exist. And the person having to deal with that. And then on top of that, whether having electricity course through your body, if you actually feel that some would suggest that you're being tortured beforehand, hanging in that split second, the the snapping of the neck and those sort of things. So um, I'm not a doctor. You know, I've had many surgeries, though, when they put me to sleep. Uh, for a second, there's a little bit of anxiety because I don't know what's going to happen. Right, right. But uh, you know, if they put me to sleep and then executed me, I, I, there would no, there's, yeah, I wouldn't know. There's yeah. so is is that cruel and unusual so, punishment before surgery? No. So let's break this down. At least the cruelty part. What I'm hearing from you is that that is the psychological trauma, just mm-hmm. to know that somebody's going to be put to death. So yeah. it's the psychological impact. Yeah. As and far as unusual, execution is not really unusual. No, no. In, in the book of Exodus, it, I'm sorry. Yeah, I mean, yeah, in, yeah, no. in the book of Exodus, yeah. uh, chapter 21, um, the 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 law was an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, a hand for a hand, foot for a foot, burn for a burn, wound for wound, stripe for stripe. In essence, what the law was is, if you if you stole my ox, I could do nothing more than take your ox. Right. But if in negligence you cost me my hand. I could uh, I could take your hand, right. but I couldn't do any more than that. If I took your life, blood for blood, if I took your life, then I would have to pay with my life. And mm-hmm. so the Old Testament law was yeah. Yeah. you could only do up to what somebody had done to you, but if they took your life, then representatives of your family could take mine. Right. Now, just to put a finer point on mm-hmm. what you read out of Exodus 21 was that the Israelites were not actually cutting limbs off. Mm, uh, it, there's a there, the the um, Latin term I believe is lex talionis, which is uh, to make sure that the there is just retribution right. for whatever crime was committed. Right. So if somebody was a right-handed person and their hand was cut off, a uh, criminal cuts their hand off, then if that criminal was caught and found guilty, uh, he'd have to pay whatever that right hand would be worth. Right. They'd have to compensate right. if somebody's life was unjustly taken. Right. The family could put. There are two options. I think they could put a dollar amount on that life, mm-hmm. or they could have the person executed. Yeah, absolutely, right. So there were some but you options. you couldn't be executed. Like, if you did something that cost me the use of my right arm, I couldn't execute you for that because right. that would be well far and above what you had done that, to me. So that's it was, exactly it, the right. The equity of the, of the justice system. That, was that's right. That. It had mm-hmm. to be an equitable mm-hmm. thing. But right. here we're talking about the federal death penalty, which has been reinstituted mm-hmm. in this country, uh, first one in 17 years, 
And the question is, is, is it just? Is it right public policy? Or is this something that's inhumane? Is it outdated? Is this something? And then as Christians, Ron, is this something that we should say, you know what, that's not right for the government to do? Now, what I want us to do is we're going to take a quick break mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and hold on to that thought because okay. I'd like you to come back and answer from a biblical perspective, is the death penalty supported by Orthodox Christianity. Okay, all right. So stick with us, and we'll be back in just a moment. Hi, Richard Nelson here with the Commonwealth Policy Center. It's clear that America is being torn apart. We're seeing injustice, violence, and destruction of property in some of our big cities. Historical statues of our founding fathers have been vandalized, and some are even pushing to defund the police. This has brought fear and discouragement to many. But now is not the time to pull back or to disengage. That's why we are launching Faith Wins Kentucky. Faith Wins Kentucky is dedicated to educating, activating, and mobilizing Christians to vote biblical values in the November election. We believe that America is a special nation whose institutions are undergirded by biblical values. We're blessed with freedoms and liberties beyond compare. But if we care about our freedoms, then we must be willing to protect them. To learn more about Faith Wins Kentucky and how you can make a difference this election, go to faithwinsky.org. That's faithwinsky.org. Welcome back to the Commonwealth Matters. I'm your host, Richard Nelson, here with Ron Hicks. And the question just prior to the break was, can the death penalty be supported by Scripture? Mm -hmm. Is this something that Orthodox Christianity today can support or great question ron is this unjust is it barbaric is it something of the past well it depends on who you ask whether it's unjust mm-hmm. if you ask a completely disassociated third party they don't have any relationship with the victim they don't have any relationship with the perpetrator they can sit back and say i don't think this is just mm-hmm. talk to the victim's family yeah um uh, the victim of this gentleman who was executed who tortured um, and, and did all these things and executed this entire family to include a child, is that just? One man paying with his life for several lives, they may say, no, it's not just. He should have, he should have had to pay more. Uh, yeah. There should have been yeah. financial compensation. I don't, I don't know. I'm not speaking for the family, but they would say maybe it's not just. I, I quoted in the first segment an Old Testament scripture, and I did that on purpose because some people might say, well, hang on a second. We're New Testament church. We're no longer under the law. We're under the, 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 the law of Moses. We're under the law of grace. In the book of Romans, Paul writes to a church that he's not yet visited yet, and he's talking about the government. And he says in Romans 13, 1 through 7, let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, mm-hmm. and those that exist have been instituted by God. I think sometimes the government, uh, the Lord allows us to elect governments. And and he he might be turning us over to our reprobate minds, almost yeah. like when the when the Jewish people had a, had their first king. God said, "Hey, I've got this I've got this system of judges in place." And they said, "Well, everybody else has a king. We want a king." He says, yeah. "Okay, yeah. I'll give you a king." And it didn't work out so well. Yeah. Um, so sometimes he turns us over to our minds, but he's the one that instituted government. Going on, therefore, whoever resists the authority resists what God has appointed, Mm -hmm. and those who resist will incur judgment. For rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad conduct. Would you have no no fear of the one who is in authority? Then do what is good, and you will receive his approval, for he is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, 
for he does not bear the sword in vain. Yeah. For he is a servant of God, an avenger who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. Therefore, no one should be uh, subject not only to avoid God's wrath, but also for the sake of conscience. So Paul is right into yeah. the New Testament church, and he's saying governments have been established by God, given authority, the sword, to be able to render judgment and to be able to carry out, if, if need be, executions to be able to life for a life and all. Now I realize God's revelation is perfect. Our interpretation is where they're yeah. flawed. So other people might be able to pull out a scripture and say, well, you know, Jesus says, uh, you know, beat your swords into plowshares and that sort of thing. And, and so, you know, we could cherry pick scriptures, but as you look at, as a whole, it talks about respecting the authorities. So right. go, it, it seems that, so in Romans 13, I want to go back yeah. to that portion about the government not bearing the sword for nothing. Mm-hmm. Is that descriptive or is it prescriptive? We do know mm. that in Roman times, mm-hmm. they did carry out the death penalty. Yes. Uh, in fact, if you did not worship Caesar, burn incense to Caesar, mm-hmm. you could be crucified. Right. You could be put to death for that. So for very small infractions. But was that, so we do know it happened, that's a description, but was it prescriptive? Does God say, uh, through Paul, who wrote the letter to the Romans, is that something that this is what is part of the government? And I'm putting it back out there. Maybe you could mm-hmm. read that portion mm-hmm. again sure. that sure. talks about that particular place. Um, he, 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 again, for rulers are not a terror to good conduct, mm-hmm. but to bad. So he's saying, you should be afraid of the rulers. If you do bad conduct, why should you be afraid? Well, because they're going to mete out justice. What kind of justice? It goes on, um, do what is good. You will receive his approval, his being the the ruling authority, for he is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain. It doesn't say he doesn't bear the keys to the jail in vain. Mm -hmm. It doesn't say he... He, he, he bears the law book in vain. Mm-hmm. The, the, the idea, it, it, may be, it may be descriptive. It may, it may be figurative mm-hmm. instead of literal. Uh, mm-hmm. but, but the idea of a sword is an instrument of death. Yeah. And, yeah. and so I, I, I believe that what Paul is saying is the, the government having the right to be able to bear the sword. And because of that, we need to be afraid yeah that we might receive justice from the government yeah. for our wrongdoing. Yeah, and I, I would tend to agree with that. Also, in it's either first or second Peter, the thought mm-hmm. is reiterated where the government, the purpose of government is what Peter says, is to reward those who do good and to punish, punish. those who do evil. Right. And I believe the part about the sword is there as well, where the sword is an instrument of execution. It's not just a punishment, a regular, it's not being put in jail. Uh, or a slap on the wrist, but the sword was uh, an indication of capital punishment. Mm-hmm. And uh, Ron, we know that biblically, uh, it, first of all, I want to take a step back here that human beings are created in the image of God. We were we were made to walk with God and to have fellowship with Him, but of course we fell in the garden, yeah. so we're, we uh, we've lost that standing with God, and we do know that we live in a fallen and corrupt world. Uh, God did not make us for the death penalty. We were made to walk in righteousness and goodness and to walk with him. However, when we transgress and get to a point where we've taken somebody else's life, we read in a few later chapters in Genesis, Genesis 9, 6, whoever sheds the blood of man, by man shall his blood be shed. It seems to me that that was the institution 
of the death penalty there, mm-hmm. as I mm-hmm. understand it. Yeah. We see it reiterated in the New Testament in Romans 13, and then Peter, uh, in one of his letters, does uh, reiterate that as well. But as Christians, uh, 21st century Christians in the United States, how do we get our minds around that? Is this maybe just something for the 2,000 years ago? Can't Haven't we become enlightened? And we do have prisons. We do have the possibility of life without mm-hmm. parole. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Do we need to follow through with the death penalty? That's a great question. And I think one of the things that Christians do and I, I think this is wrong. They say, well, let's just let the government decide. Yeah. You know, I, I, I'm going to keep, let's keep our religious point of view out of it. And you and I advocate all the time, if mm-hmm. we don't carry our faith everywhere we go to include into the government arena, then really does our faith serve us um, or, or is it really a part of us? Um, and, and so I think as believers, we need to weigh this. We need to search scripture and we need to be able to say to our elected officials, this is this is what I believe. This is, what I believe, what God is saying to me. And if you disagree with me, we can respectfully disagree with each other. Yeah. In yeah. that scripture that you're talking about in 1 Peter 2, verse 13, submit yourself, this is in the King James Version, to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether it be to the king as supreme or into governors, as unto them that are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of them that do well. So the government has been established by God to be able to reward those who do well yeah. and to punish yeah. those that are done evil. So if our government institutes the death penalty and they say a life for a life, the scripture here says submit yourself to that. Yeah. Um, now, obviously, the very first thing people could say is, well, what about, what about the government says abortion is right? Well, we, we, we're, as believers, we have to, as long as the scriptures, excuse me, as long as government walks in line with scriptures, then, then th- that that's where we need to. And you know, I I realize we're on a slippery slope there, but I, I believe that scriptures validate the 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 uh, role of government, saying uh, we can wield the sword and use it to punish evildoers. Yeah, that's a can of worms you opened up with mm-hmm. the uh, yeah, abortion yeah. issue, yeah. and then it brings in the question right. of is the government a just government by allowing mm-hmm. unborn children to be taken in the womb? But hey, if we can't uh, but, ask those tough questions of God, I mean, God's ready for these tough questions. He is. Um, we don't understand it, all, all of it, but and we need to seek Him and His absolutely. wisdom. Ron, we need to take a a, a hard oh, break. Okay, so hold that thought. We'll come back in just a moment. Growing up as a child, who did you turn to whenever you had a crisis? Who was your source of strength? Who held you in the darkest situations and became your beacon of light? Most of us will recall the love of our parents, our grandparents our family. But the harsh reality today is that there are many who face the dark places of life totally alone. Since 1869, the mission and the ministry of Sunrise Children's Services has been to help children in crisis. That need grows every day in Kentucky. Everyone with a passion for children can join us in giving hope to children in need. To learn more, just visit sunrise.org or call 1-800-456-1386. Matthew 2540 tells us, The king will reply, Truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these my brothers and sisters, you did for me. Now's the time to be a child's source of strength. Come help us at Sunrise Children's Services. Welcome back to The Commonwealth Matters. I'm your host, Richard Nelson, here with uh, Pastor Ron Hicks, uh, Pastors Henderson Memorial Baptist Church. And we have a a challenging discussion (laughs) on the death penalty, Mm -hmm. uh, capital punishment from uh, the authorities, of course, the federal government. 
just carried out its first federal execution in 17 years. Daniel Lewis Lee, uh, age 47, of Yukon, Oklahoma, was put to death uh, early uh, Tuesday morning uh, by injection uh, in Terre Haute, Indiana. Uh, Ron, he maintained, uh, Daniel Lewis Lane, that he maintained his innocence. He said he didn't do it. He said, you're executing an innocent man. He said, I've done a lot of wrong things. Mm I've done a lot of wrong things, but I'm not a murderer. Right. Now, we do have a number of people who have been on death row that have, by DNA evidence, they've been exonerated of crimes that they were accused of before DNA was a, a regular tool right. in criminal justice. I'm glad you brought that up. Because, so what yeah. should there, I mean, I don't know the case here. I don't know if they had DNA right. evidence on them. I do know this. Uh, I've been involved with prison ministry for several years. Mm-hmm. I've gotten to know prisoners. I get, I, I'm very familiar with the mindset. A lot of the guys there <laughs> are going to tell innocent. you that they're innocent. <laughs> right. You know that too, because you've yes. been involved with prison ministry. Yeah, yeah. But uh, there are some cases where there are innocent people that are, and that's where up. that's where I can say uh, I do not believe that capital punishment is contrary to Scripture. As a matter of fact, I, I I would go on the other side saying that government's been established by God and and brings about justice. I do know though that humanity is flawed, and some people say, well, because we're flawed and all the rest of that, then then don't do it at all. I don't think we need to throw the baby out with the bathwater. If I could use that um, uh, imagery with with uh, the death penalty, I, I do think though that there needs to be beyond a shadow of a doubt, not reasonable doubt, but I believe, um, you know, if if there is no DNA evidence, if if let's say the DNA evidence is too old or that sort of thing, I, I would say if there's no means to exonerate this person, then then commute the death penalty, life in prison. I, I believe that if, if a person um, has, a, a, has a case and it's been heard but there wasn't DNA evidence, I believe an automatic um, appeal process should be instituted and people say it's going to cost money and all the rest of it. Yes, but life is that valuable. So I yeah. believe before it's done, yeah. every effort needs to be exhausted. And if there's not a way to exonerate people with the DNA evidence, again, because it might be too old or the evidence has been thrown away, that person has not been given equal opportunity under the law, so they ought to commute the death penalty. Yeah. We ought to pay for the rest of their lives to keep them in prison. Yeah. Um, and, but so we I, I, we don't do it just willy nilly. And yeah. in the past, yeah. if people have been on death row um, and and then been exonerated, then we have to assume people have been executed who have been innocent. Yeah. I think and that's a fair assumption. Yeah, that's yeah. a fair assumption. Yeah. We did see Illinois governor a couple of few years ago. Ex- uh, commuted Mm -hmm. all of the sentences of those on death row. And this is because they found that a number of people were on death row that DNA over evidence overturned their connection to whatever crime it was. So I think your proposal that there be DNA evidence in order to put somebody to death that elevates the standard does not do away with the death penalty. Mm -mm, It just elevates the standard to where there's no shadow of a doubt. Your DNA does not lie. Right. And uh, I think that that's one safeguard that can be uh, put into place. But perhaps that DNA evidence should be put into place in other crimes where there are no witnesses. By the way, mm-hmm. it's a biblical idea that there are two or three witnesses mm-hmm. before somebody's convicted of a crime. Right. You know that in this country we have that principle too. Sure. There needs to be witnesses. Uh-huh. Now. So looking at DNA, would that be considered a witness? It certainly testifies against you. Scientifically speaking. It's like a fingerprint in in a sense. 
And sometimes but, Christian, people will say, I love this, just kind of as an aside. People will say, I, I don't believe in religion. I believe in science. Well, you and I believe in science, too. You have right. a degree in That's science, right. and That's I used right. to design and build television stations, pretty scientific. Yeah. Um, those aren't mutually exclusive. So, yes, we can yeah. use science as a witness to be able to carry out what we believe to be the biblical principle. But if there's not supporting scientific evidence beyond a shadow of a doubt, then I believe we as compassionate people have yeah. to give the benefit of the doubt. Reasonable doubt says you've been convicted guilty. We're gonna sp- you're gonna spend life in jail, but there's not enough evidence to actually take your life. And I believe that that's equitable. Yeah, Ron, it's a terrible thing when the state takes the life of yes. another person. It's and not it's anything to be celebrated. No, it, you're right. Mm-hmm. It's not something to applaud or to mm-hmm. get you know excited about. But at the same time, it's a terrible thing when citizens take the lives of other Absolutely. citizens. Absolutely. And it's my opinion that the one reason why a just society has the death penalty is to elevate just how precious life is. It's a terrible thing to execute somebody. It's a terrible thing to allow murders to continue in a society. And it is a reminder to people that life is precious. And if you take the life of somebody else unjustly, uh, not in self-defense, but if you have premeditated murder, uh, then your life will be required of you. And you let that sink down deeply into, into the bones of the citizenry, so to speak, and that is a reminder that life is precious. You take an, a life unjustly, your life will be required. And yeah. this is, I think, uh, one thing that does deter murders. Uh, some say, well, it's not a deterrent. I don't know well, if I it's think- a deterrent. Is, is- uh, you know, I, I, go ahead. Finish your thought. Well, ahead, here's here's yeah, why yeah. I think mm-hmm. it's a deterrent. Okay, because it is a message that the death penalty is out there, and that yes, there are high consequences to uh, taking somebody's life unjustly. Uh, so whether or not it's actually in the moment going to stop somebody, I don't know. Mm-hmm. But I think by and large, if people thought, here's let me juxtapose it with mm-hmm. this: mm-hmm. if you. Th- realize that you committed a murder and maybe would only do five or ten years do you think there'd be more murders if it wasn't that high of a penalty high that high of a price to pay my guess would be that yeah the people would life was at least implicitly the message is that life is not that important i might do five to ten years but i'm not going to get the death penalty Mm -hmm. or i'm not going to get life in prison i think the higher this the the consequences you have for a crime uh, the the greater the impact on the on the general population, they realize that there are consequences. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The death penalty is the highest consequence. Mm-hmm. I, I I think um, um, I understand completely that that thinking and and that that may very well be. I without you know, uh, I, many murders are, are happen in the moment, crimes of passion, that sort of thing. Um, whether or not anybody thinks of the consequences yeah. while they're committing that crime, regardless. It does say to society, life is sacred, life is valuable, and whether you thought about it, whether it's a crime of passion or not, if it's unjustifiable in that it's not defending yourself and your family, you will pay with your life, um, then then yes, it sends a signal. Unfortunately, our government right now says life isn't really important. And and we we do see the cheapening of life. We see it in that's this is a probably a whole nother program, but we see the cheapening of life in the womb. We also see the move towards assisted suicide where if somebody feels like they're at the end of their Mm -hmm. life, it's okay to help somebody take their own life. We are seeing the cheapening of human life and that's unfortunate as Christians. And we're gonna have to close on this note. Mm -hmm. We should care about all life. We should care about the preservation and the preserving the dignity of life, but there are consequences when you take 
in Innocent Life. Ron, we, uh, we are out of time. Thank you so much for joining me on this edition Thank of the Commonwealth Thank you. God Commonwealth bless Commonwealth. you, listeners. Thank you for participating.